I've talked about it. Some of you thought I was exaggerating. And now we're seeing the full onslaught that I've been warning about against property rights. This is the Andres Segovia Show. Welcome everyone to this episode of the Andres Segovia Show. I normally do the news roundup on these episodes, but uh, because of the craziness that has been this year 2020 uh, and the current pandemic we find ourselves in, I am not doing the news roundup in that sense. Uh, maybe a little bit of in case you missed it though. But for this one, I'm going to highlight more um, the setting the record straight segment that I normally do, which is the more, I guess you could say, opinion, uh, fact-based opinion section or segment of said episode. Before I dive into that though, uh, I must tell you that uh, a lot of my content has been available over at uh, my website, uh, where you can go and check out off-the-record stuff that hasn't been available before. But because of my birthday month, or at least it was now that we're at the end of the month, um, I have decided to make some of that content available to non-members. So while you're watching this, you still can go and enjoy some of the summer's biggest hits, if you will, from the off-the-record stuff, from movies, soundtracks, uh, even the Reading Corner, which is my, my private book club, uh, where people can go and see the books that I'm discussing, and maybe you've read some of those yourself. So I can definitely say, go check it out. You'll probably learn a thing or two. That's the in case you missed it. That's been the big news of what happened during the month of August for me. In terms of real estate, though, I got picked up on an article a little bit late, and now that I have it, this I'm going to spend the rest of this episode talking about that. And that is uh, an article that appeared on Teen Vogue. Normally, this is the kind of thing I don't respond to. Anyway, if I do get passionate about such things like this, because it's considered political, then I normally reserve that for my off-the-record stuff, which is why I invite you to go over to my website. Because I, just like most of you, I don't like being... Uh, told things I wasn't looking to listen to. But that's the world that we live in that uh, because it's a platform and because they hide behind an avatar, these individuals push their ideology on other people. And if you dare challenge them in any way, they want you to be silenced. Well, this article is a, a little old, I would say. And by old, I mean it's like mid-July. Uh, it appeared in Team Vogue. The article from Team Vogue is called An Eviction Crisis is Coming. We Need to Treat Housing as a Right. Now, the reason I do an off-the-record segment is because I've been involved in the political arena of ideas for at least 17 years. And in those 17 years, I've engaged with a lot of different mindsets, and I even discovered mindsets that I didn't even know existed. But I learned a lot of things in discussions over time where you would run into people that basically are trying to set you up to get an answer or an idea out to you or where a question or position is phrased in a way where it almost seems you cannot win an argument. Because first off, they weren't even asking for an argument with you. They just wanted to win by disarming you outright. And those are some of the rules in debate too. Like if you're ever going to debate someone and shut them up, that's kind of what you want to do. Already put them in the corner, put them in a defensive position where as soon as they try to come out strong, you already tired and feathered them before they even got before they even got started and that's the kind of article that um i'm looking at here this is a political opinion article that was placed on teen vogue of all places uh to basically call for the ending of property rights in other words you cannot buy and own property anymore because it should be only one landlord and the argument this uh, this article is making that it should be the government, to which me was not surprising. 
So there's a lot of rabbit trails in this opinion editorial. It draws upon a lot of different current events to make an argument about a singular issue that they're bringing up in the headline. And they're not discussing that per se. They're trying to make that an issue with these other things, which we'll get to. So therefore, the argument's already phrased that if you do not agree that we should treat housing as a right, you must therefore have a negative opinion about these other things, and therefore you are, what the conclusion of this article that doesn't explicitly say, but I know it's inferred, you are a racist. So that's the basically the prologue to all this, because like I said, some of you might agree with what this individual is writing. I'm not even going to link this article. You can look for yourself because that's how much I don't like this article. But some of you might actually agree with some of the arguments this columnist is making. Therefore, I'm already at a disadvantage in trying to convince you otherwise. So the columnist writes, uh, I might tweak a little bit of the wording because uh, um, there's a certain pandemic here that uh, YouTube doesn't really like that phrase used. So I'm going to try to work around that. So my, my reading might be a little wonky here. So it's been four months, just the writing of this, since the onslaught of the pandemic first highlighted the failures of capitalism and the incompetence of the United States government. So now depending on where you stand politically, you already agree outright. And as I expected by reading the title, there's a, they're already setting the premise, this, this column is already setting the premise, capitalism has failed. This is what I call rabbit trails. These are rabbit trails that are trying to get you out of the current setup to like, but what's they got to do with property rights? So there was an opportunity for our country to become less horrible. So establishing that it was already horrible to finally deal with some of our institutional failings. This, of course, did not happen. Congress did not rise to the occasion providing or even seriously considering necessary transformational policies like universal basic income, universal health care, rent suspension, or debt forgiveness. So they already established that you sh- the, the government failed because they did not push for universal basic income. In other words, the government pays for everything. Universal health care, where the government pays for all health care. Rent suspension, in other words, housing is for free, and debt forgiveness, that all the debt that people owe is forgiven, unless you're considered in the group that they don't like, the socialists don't like, which are the, the capitalist, wealthy individuals, they should be paying for everything. And I'll, dis- and I'll show you why these, this ideology is already failing out of the box. So, instead, they gave us crumbs through a one-time payment of $1,200 and $600 in unemployment for those who qualified, while many of the well-connected, including several lawmakers themselves, cashed in via the Paycheck Payment Protection Loans Program intended for small businesses. That last line, though, about the PPP is the only thing I agree with so far. Uh, with respects to the PP, um, the, the $1,200 and $600, uh, there's actually EDD for each state that have been paying out a lot more per individual in the states. And it's not just the federal government. If we're going to look at the federal level alone, you got to see what's going on with the state and localities. They've been giving a lot more money. The response to this crisis has made it even more clear that party politics are a sham and the real political affinity lies within class and race. While we're working to abolish the police, we must also work to dismantle what the police were here to protect. Property. What is more evident of the legacy of shelter colonialism and its violence than the idea of the ownership of land? What helped shape the unequal distribution of wealth and enduring segregation of our cities like centuries of racist property laws? 
So this is what I mean. Rabbit trails. As millions of people, particularly black and Latin X, Americans are on the verge of eviction, it is time that we look at the idea of private housing and the role it plays in maintaining economic violence in those communities. See, these are a lot of gotcha hot words, you know, to, to really stoke uh, anger here, um, which is why I'm not feeding all into it. So let's finally get to, because we're getting too close to the end of this article already, to get to the actual point of what they're trying to make here. The pandemic didn't create this housing crisis. But it did further expose the cruelty of payment-based housing. Wages that have remained stagnant while rent rent prices ballooned, especially over the last two decades, have meant millions of Americans have been living one disaster away from being unable to afford their rent. According to Apartment List, 36% of American voters did not make full full on-time rent payments for July. And in places of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where moratoriums on evictions were already ended, roughly 1,200 Black and Latinx households have seen eviction filings. 36% of American renters did not make a full on-time rent payment for July. Well, yeah, because there's something called the rent freeze. Uh, Not every state has actually reopened. And... Even though some uh, the federal eviction moratorium has uh, been lifted, that's not the case for state and local levels that have stricter positions on evictions, which uh, this individual, the colonist, will get to in a moment. But the thing is, you have three groups of people. One, those who are still able to pay the rent that have been unaffected by COVID. Then there are those that have been affected that couldn't pay. And then there are those that just don't want to pay no matter what. And those in the third party have made it harder for the other renters because they're giving a bad name because they're pulling a stunt here, like a protest of sorts, to say that this is the housing is the right, therefore give it to me for free. <clears throat> okay, in sections of Brooklyn, New York, where black and Latinx communities have been battling against gentrification for years, community members are taking matters into their own hands. Crowns Heights residents have conducted anti-eviction protests led by the group Equality for Flash, Flatbush. At a recent anti-eviction protest outside Richmond, uh, Virginia, courthouse protesters were pepper sprayed by sheriff's deputies, according to a local NBC News affiliate. Depending on where you live, sheriffs, who wield great power but are subject to little oversight, are the enforcers of evictions yeah in los angeles the sheriff's department is in charge of the evictions there's reasons for that that's the case in los angeles i just said that where this individual lives cases of the pandemic are currently skyrocketing in the city prompting a rollback of reopen of the reopening process and a renewed shutdown of key sectors of the economy a temporary moratorium on evictions which the governor gavin newsom recently allowed localities to extend through september is just a temporary band-aid as is a 100 million dollar rent assistance program introduced by the city that has a five-day application window this thing came and went already um, while this might appear to be a progressive step not everybody who needs help will qualify it says your household income should have you should have to be at or less than 80 percent of the median income for your area and the 100 million dollars will not be enough to cover the number of applicants all true in that sense yes la already faced a housing crisis before the pandemic and during a pandemic with the local unemployment rate hovering at 20 percent and no clear end in sight these steps are clearly not enough there's a disconnect between those in political office and the general public that disconnect is wealth and class. The Constitution 
was created by land-owning white men who were the only people who could vote for decades after this country's founding and the legacy still guides the government's found, uh, funding uh, priorities. Instead of seeing housing as a right and something that should not be commodified, the state enlists its own armed forces, sheriffs and police to remove occupants from residencies that they cannot pay the rent. The lack of protections for non-landowners should be no surprise from a country found in the genocide of colonization of indigenous people. Every protection put forth during this pandemic in the past four months have only been for tenants. Zero recourse for landowners. And this person lives in Los Angeles, which tells me there's a real big disconnect between reality and what she, this individual uh, harbors as their own reality. And now they're trying to make the connection historically here for why you should hate this. It is significant that the Lakota people chose to make a stand against President Trump rally on July 3rd at Mount Rushmore. Tribal members worried that the event would spread the novel pandemic to their people, just as the smallpox brought to the U.S. by uh, white brought to the U.S. by white colonizers, sickened indigenous people centuries ago. The monument itself was designed by someone who had ties to the Ku Klux Klan. Treaty defenders attempted to prevent Trump supporters from reaching the rally and many were arrested in the process. In a public statement, Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe uh, Chairman Harold Fraser voiced support for the destruction of the monument, describing it as a depiction of the men who lied, cheated, and murdered innocent people whose only crime was living on the land they wanted to steal. Like I said, conflating issues. And here's the conclusion of the article. It is important that the anti-eviction movement be linked to the larger land struggles in this country. For years, this country has denied indigenous people their inherent land rights and systematically prevented black people from obtaining housing in certain neighborhoods throughout laws and racist economic policies. The answer to this housing crisis isn't a moratorium on eviction that only delays those uh, these violent e uh, events while furthering indebting renters in the interim. We should cancel rent outright as this pandemic rages. We should work towards a world where land Landlords no longer hold this sort of power over people's lives. We need a housing movement based on a rejection of the construct that any one person should own this earth's land. Okay. I'm only going to respond to two things related to this article, then jump into why this whole thing is just full of contradictions. But I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole. I'm not going to address the, the things that are conflating here. There's different issues that were brought up to try to address property rights and property ownership. That is uh, racial injustice and the founding of this country. So I'm not going to address that. That's not what I'm addressing. I'm addressing real estate. Not to say that I'm shying away from it. No, those expanded commentaries, I will leave a link to that in the video description down below so you can go to off the record where you can hear the rest of this. It's not going to make YouTube. So if you really want to hear me talk about that, that's going to be an off the record. It won't be for YouTube. So the things I am addressing here are with respects to how the evictions work. Uh, evictions, I'm not going to go through the entire process, but I'm just going to tell you it's a process, a very long process with many moving mechanisms that should one thing be off, the entire process stalls and you got to start all over again. And that process doesn't happen overnight. That's a lengthy process that takes months, sometimes even a year to get going because multiple parties have to get involved. Multiple. Before the sheriff finally comes to the door, to enforce the eviction order from the court. So it's not like, oh, they didn't pay rent, got to kick him out. That's not how it works. 
And this individual living, living in Los Angeles should know better. But instead, it's only going to ahead to the, the victimization part instead of addressing how it actually works. Every single law or, or stoppage gap or moratorium or anything that was placed during this time of pandemic has been a wishy-washy uh, a list of progressive ideologies that have lessened the, uh, the rights of citizens or residents here in California, for example, with rights to their own property. So this individual is arguing that we got to make housing a right and it should be run. Who's, who's going to be the landlord? The government. But the same government that this individual is lambasting for basically being founded on the evils of all this genocide and racism they're arguing about, they want that government to hold that power to be the singular landlord? How's that going to go? I'm confused. You can't have it both ways. And if you're complaining that we got to get rid of of property rights because other people weren't afforded those rights, then why not give the property rights to them too if they're supposedly lacking it? Okay, so let's make that argument. Those that weren't afforded, they're giving property rights. Does that solve the problem you're complaining about? No, no, because anyone can buy property. Ladies and gentlemen, the argument of housing is a right is, not, is nothing new. I've argued multiple times on my program, not just because I'm a realtor, but because it's true that real estate investment is the best avenue and most sure avenue for financial planning and wealth building for your life. And something that can sustain you through things like a pandemic. And because those that have been able to, uh, I don't want to say enjoy quarantine or the lockdown period, but the fact that they were able to be in their own house instead of being stuck in those high rises where they can't even leave their own room because they're shared housing with all these different things because they were told they got to do that. It's the green movement. You have to be there. You got to think about the other person. That's the very thing that's led to a lot of people exiting all these progressive cities where uh, it was been discouraged to own property and where rents are so high. This argument about properties, uh, rentals being so expensive and areas that have been gentrified, she's pointing out, I'm assuming it's she, so they're, she's pointing out that these aren't rent control places where the government already controls almost everything. So if the government's the one that made it worse, why do you want to give more power to the government to supposedly make it better? I mean, it tends to be a progressive argument. If it didn't work the first time, not enough money was thrown at it. That's usually what they say. This is from CNBC. Empty apartments, Manhattan, reach record high, topping 13,000 vacancies. The number of apartments for rents or listings inventory more than doubled over last year and set a record for the 14 years since data started being collected. While hundreds of thousands of residents headed the city in March and April, in the beginning of the pandemic, brokers and landlords hoped many would start returning in July and August. July's weakness and what brokers say is already a slow August suggests that Manhattan's real estate and economic troubles could extend well into the fall or beyond. This is for CNBC. All these things about it's a right, forgive the debt, forgive the rent, for uh, universal basic income, universal health care, someone's got to pay for it. Someone's got to pay. And you could have AOC talk about, bye-bye, billionaires. We don't need you. You went to Connecticut. You went to Florida. We don't need you here. Andrew Cuomo is basically the one saying, yo, whoa, 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 girl, not so fast. Uh, Andrew Cuomo fears New York's wealthy taxpayers may not return. 
uh, Cuomo asked lawmakers to lift a $10,000 cap on state and local tax deductions as a means to stop residents and potential and potentially prevent high net worth people from leaving for lower tax states. If New York loses these high net worth taxpayers for good, it could exacerbate a deepening budget deficit as tax revenues in the Big Apple drop precipitously. Tax collections in New York dropped 46% in July, even while revenues generated in other parts of the state recovered. That decline follows a 32% drop in May and a 23% decline in, in, in April. In May, the state's controller said the economic devastation facing New York had not been seen since the Great Depression. Now, I don't know if it's in here somewhere, but uh, this is from Fox Business. 50% of the tax bill in New York is paid by 1% of its residents. And those are the ones that are moving. And with lockdown restrictions being uh, weakened, those that have been living in New York City have been getting out further out of New York City. That's what the Hamptons and if they could to Connecticut. That's where Andrew Cuomo was like, hey, come back, come back, come to my house. I'll cook, I'll cook dinner for all you. It's like, wait a minute. So, capitalism is the one that failed, according to that article that, that I started off with, right? So, why are all these progressive policies the ones that are falling apart? Could it be that you depend on the so-called capitalists to fund the progressive ideals that you are demanding? Yes, that's a rhetorical question. Yes, you need money. Money doesn't grow on trees. You can't just print it in a machine at the Federal Reserve. So, with all this going on, people are conflating issues all over the place. I've been talking about the assault on property rights for the longest time. And if we let this thing be assumed because, oh, the beautiful catchphrase, housing is a human right. Well, yeah, of course it's a beautiful catchphrase. I'm not mocking that people should be able to live in a home. The thing is, housing is a human right. You know who said that before? Then President... Bill Clinton, 1993. Look it up. It's called the Community Reinvestment Act. The Community Reinvestment Act relaxed the lending rules, encouraged the banks to give loans in the form of, get ready for it, subprime. Are you familiar with that phrase? Because all these progressives love making movies about the evils of capitalism and the banking system for why all that failed, for why the housing collapsed in 2007, 2008, because housing is a right. The government told the banks, it doesn't matter that people can't afford it. Do not be asking for proof of income. That's why a literal dog bought a house. A dog bought a house? No joke. I wish I, I, wish I could make this up. The government let a, let a dog off the leash. Metaphorically speaking now about the banks. It's like... You're let loose. Hand out as many loans as you can because those loan officers work on commission. But there was a concern though. The bank's like, well, but, hey, hey, but um, how are we supposed to recover the money if the individuals that can't prove they can't pay, it's proven that they can't pay. Someone on the line during their mortgage. And the government said, don't worry, we're going to guarantee those mortgages. The Federal Housing Authority empowered by the secondary mortgage market called Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, I think the other one's Jeannie Mac, I forget. Yes, housing is a right. We have a right to buy our own property. We have the ability to rent if we cannot afford. 
And by virtue of being able to own our own property, we have more control over our own lives. But those that discourage owning personal property or property don't practice that in their own life. They'll tell you that's their phone. But why? Why is it your phone? Why isn't it my phone too? Why can't I have access to your phone? Why not? Why do we get upset if a hacker accesses your information? Could it be that you actually have some sense of personal right? A personal privilege, if you will? Yes. That's a basic human right. A right to rights. Which are extended by being able to own your own property. Where even the government has to respect. Yo, that's not your property. But through always a pandemic or some kind of issue what's the what's the phrase never let a good crisis go to waste that was coined basically by Rahm Emanuel former chief of staff if I'm not mistaken of Barack Obama he even wrote an article about that in the Washington Post if I'm not mistaken back in March as soon as this whole pandemic started like take advantage of this now he wasn't even hiding it he was just telling you straight up and that's exactly what progressive states and cities have done That's why people are moving out of those states, especially California. That's why there's a big movement right now against propositions that are being put forth here in California. That's to take away your property rights. It is viciously under attack. That article making the argument that housing is a right, therefore, take away all land rights. It's happening. It is happening. And we have to protect this house. I will. This wasn't on purpose, by the way. I I just threw on the shirt this morning and I didn't know I was going to be recording this episode, but there you go. It worked out. And honestly, that's what I do. I've been busier during these past few months fighting for your rights to own property and also convincing you to be red-pilled so you understand what it actually means. When rents are as expensive as a mortgage nowadays, or in some cases even more expensive, to consider, why not buy? And should something like this ever happen again where you got to be locked somewhere? For those of you that have been locked in these metropolitan cities and you couldn't get out, don't you wish you actually were in a place to call your own? Yes, you do. You know you do. Because you were losing your mind. It's It's a very contentious year. A lot of people are at each other's throats. And I will continue to inform you about what's coming down the pipeline. On my show, off the record, I do expand on certain current events that I don't talk about here on the main show. Censorship and all that. So I invite you to go check that out. There's some certain stuff that I've already addressed regarding some of the things that were brought up in that article. But I do intend to expand my thoughts on furthermore on the conflicting of issues there in upcoming episodes on Off the Record. So I encourage you to go check that out, www.theandrosegobe.com. Thank you so much for those of you on YouTube and for those of you who subscribe to the podcast, listen to the audio version of this. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. Stay in the know if you are interested in looking to see if you are able to buy or if it's even worthwhile at this time for you, then it's a conversation that we can have. 
And I even did a previous episode about that too. That might answer some of your questions, but if not, by all means, feel free to reach out to me. You can find my contact information at my business page, www.segoviares.com. That's segoviares.com. I'm a licensed real estate broker in Southern California, and I look forward to serving your real estate needs. That's it for this episode. As always, I'll see you on the next one.